is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We've got a fun episode of Fantasy Football Today for you today as we have a couple of interviews that we're going to have here on the show. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. Heath Cummings is here. Heath, say hi. Hi. There you go. Man of many words. We had a fun Twitch interview on Tuesday night, which was awesome to uh, hear some of your questions and answer them on a different format. Uh, I hope that's something we'll be doing a little bit more of. Uh, We could talk about that at a later time. But on today's show, like I said, we have a couple of big interviews. The first one is the man who's joining us right now. You may have heard of him. He's a colleague of ours here at CBS Sports, joins us on CBS Sports HQ quite a bit. One of the best executives in the NFL of the last 20 years, Scott Pioli. You may have heard of him with the Patriots, also been with the Chiefs and the Falcons, a multiple-time executive of the year. Nobody knows the league better than Scott. I don't know how much more superlatives I can heap on you, Scott, but thank you for joining us here on Fantasy Football today. Thank you, Jamie. You've gone way too far. I don't know, I don't know about the best. <laughs> There's a lot oh. of people that would argue, but I really appreciate it. Very kind. Thank you. Uh, uh, well, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, after we talk to Scott, we're going to hear an interview that I had with uh, Dare Ogumbawale, running back of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This may be a little bit Tampa Bay heavy, New England heavy at the start of the show because, as you guys are aware, there was a big trade yesterday between the Patriots and the Bucks. Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement to join Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. He was traded to the Bucks along with a seventh round pick for a fourth round pick, Adam. Keith and Ben Gretsch broke down the trade in depth when it happened yesterday with one of our emergency podcasts, but we're going to talk to Scott about that as well as a lot of draft things. Uh, We have a fun week of episodes coming up later this week. Uh, Tomorrow you'll hear Saquon Barkley on our show. Adam, Keith, Dave, and Ben Gretsch will be talking to Saquon. They'll give you some fantasy analysis. They'll also give you a mailbag. So send in your questions where you normally do. I'm not going to say the uh, email address because I'll butcher it as I usually do. Heath, do you know the email address? Yeah, sure. No, <laughs> not, not at all. There you go. Uh, so uh, Adam will give you all that stuff. Don't worry. It'll be in the episode. Uh, <laughs> you know where to send your emails. Uh, and he's got plenty. So anyway, let's get to the good stuff. So Scott, you uh, you got a chance to see this trade digested for a little bit. So again, it's Gronk going to the Bucks. With a seventh-round pick, the Pats get a fourth-round pick. Your take on Gronk coming out of retirement and joining Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I think you know initially, I, don't, I honestly wasn't surprised. There's um, he, because he had never closed the door on whether or not he would play uh, again. And he one day he would close it, the next day he would leave it open. But it always seemed to be at least partly open. So I wasn't that surprised that he, you know, that he wanted to come back. You know, and players form unique relationships, and I'm sure that. He and Tom, it's clear that he and Tom are close. They not only have a professional relationship, they have a personal relationship. Um, and, and truthfully, just listening to Gronk at the end of his time with the Patriots, it just sounded like he was tired and he was beat up. I, again, I think unless you're a player um, and you go through the rigors of the um, uh, physically what they go through, and Gronk has been through a lot of injuries and a lot of time off, it's not just the physical toll that's taken on the player. It's an enormous em- emotional toll. So I think the fact that he, and again, I'm just speculating here. Um, I haven't spoken with him, uh, you know, about this. But to me, I think the time away um, renews the mind a little bit. And I think it's any time that anyone steps away from something that that's intense and that intensive, um, you have a little bit look, a different look on it. Now he sees an opportunity for 
a new life back together with an old buddy and it looked attractive. So, um, again, as I understand it, they, um, his agent drew Rosenhaus had approached not only Tampa, but the Patriots and, and the deal got done. Scott, the, the other side of this, the Buccaneers already had a pretty talented young tight end on their team at OJ yes. Howard. There've been a lot of rumors about the possibility of him being traded even before they made this trade for Rob Gronkowski. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like as an executive when those rumors are already out there and everybody else knows that you'd like to move a player and how you can still get a deal done? Yeah, well, I'll say this. You, you know, sometimes, Heath, you don't know where those rumors started. Everyone makes the um, everyone makes the the assessment that it was the team that was leaking those rumors or they were trying to, to get it out. Often what will happen or... It, 50% of the time, it's the team. 50% of the time, it's the player and their agent. Sometimes if a player isn't happy with the circumstance, isn't happy with the situation, they and their agent start putting things out there that can make it look like the team. And then there'll be someone in the media who can make it look like the team. I think one of the things I learned that I – one of the many things I learned in my um, 26 years in the NFL is when rumors get out there, when things like that get out there – you immediately think that the leak comes from a specific place. Um, but there's so many people that talk. There's so many different angles. And truthfully, there's so many agendas out there. You don't know um, what it might be. I mean, and I'm not saying this is the case here. This could have been a player that was unhappy um, or his agent was unhappy or the, the combination of them weren't unhappy. So maybe they went out on their own and talked to teams to see if there's interest. And they started the trade rumors. They started the, the whole idea that this is a possibility. Um, so again, as a general manager, you sit in that chair, but people always think that it's the team starting the rumor or leaking it, but it's not. Scott, I just want to ask you one more sort of uh, front office thing about this. Um, yeah. Did they sort of, did Gronk sort of force the Patriots hand here because of what the salary cap situation is in new England that they almost had to trade him? Well, that may be part of it. Um, but my guess is, um, my guess is that there's a good enough relationship between all the parties because getting the age Drew Rosenhaus, I know, I know when I was with the Patriots and, and still with Bill, Drew has a good relationship with the, with the Patriots. He has a good relationship with Nick Casario. So I'm sure those conversations happened before, um, they had to leverage him because again, if you look at it from the Patriots side, the fact is they know the player's not going to come back to them. He doesn't want to come back to them. He doesn't want to play in that system, which, you know, you don't take offense by that. You understand this is a business transaction. The reality is all the, the, the Patriots have a player that's either nothing off the roster or can become a fourth round pick. We understand it's a Hall of Fame player, but his best seasons are likely behind him. Not definitely, but likely behind him. So to get something when the alternative is nothing, it's probably a smart business decision. Whether or not he leveraged them, I don't know. I don't think that the parties involved have the kind of relationships where they would try to tuck it to one another. And and it makes sense, like you said, for them to get a fourth round pick out of essentially nothing because probably not going to be there. Uh, I'll just give my fantasy spin on it since I wasn't part of the show yesterday. It makes me feel icky to put Rob Gronkowski in the top 10 at tight end just because he's going to be 31. He's coming off his, you know, one of his worst seasons in 2018. He's got to, you know, learn a new system. Essentially, he's going to have a lot of talented players around him with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, where he's never played with talented players like that in the receiving core. So I'm concerned. I would still take a chance on him. I went back and looked at the draft we did yesterday, our fantasy draft. And if you look at it, Austin Hooper was the ninth tight end off the board. He went in round nine. If I'm getting Gronk in round nine or later, I'll take it. 
Uh, most likely, though, he's probably going to go sooner than that. So for me, it feels a little bit like a bust, but we'll see how this whole thing works out from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Scott, we want to ask you a lot of questions, obviously, about the uh, upcoming NFL draft. The draft starts on Thursday night with the first round. Um, since we are a fantasy show, we're going to probably lean heavily on some running back and wide receiver conversation. And, you know, you look at the the running backs, um, you know, we're probably not going to see a guy go in the first round. At least that's the expectation if you follow a lot of the mock drafts. Uh, how are you sort of evaluating that position now in the NFL? Is it, you know, uh, do, do, as an executive, do you, do you sort of look at it as these are guys I want to just kind of, you know, use and abuse? Or is it if I have a real special one like a Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to try and get that second contract out of that guy and see if I can maybe milk it as long as I can. How do you look at the the running back position in the NFL today? Yeah, I would say, Jimmy, you're never in the situation where you want to use and abuse any player. even at that position. And I know you're not saying it in the truest sense. Um, but I'm saying it more from like the team, the team standpoint, you know, get the most yeah. out of the guy and then let him go someplace else. Well, the way that you get the most out of the guy is if a guy can play every down. Right. And not all not all downs are the same. For instance, uh, players get categorized and running backs get categorized as an every down back, a first and second down back, or a third down back, right? That's kind of where the whole thing starts because there's very few running running backs that have the unique and rare skills where they can play, play at a high level in the passing game and the running game. Because the game is so different right now, the, it, it's not like the old days where, you know, all you needed was a was a running back that could run the ball and play well in the running game. Nor do you want a back that can that can just catch the ball or just run routes. So when you start breaking running backs down, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to see what type of back are they? The rare backs that that you again, we don't use the word running to the ground, but it can be an every down back. That is a rare back, and they have to have special running skills and receiving skills. The other part about a running back that you're going to use in the passing game, people think it's just about their hands and their ability to get open. But one of the key things for a running back in the passing game is the ability to pass block. And I know that there's not a fantasy football point scoreboard for that. But one of the most important things that you that, that's worth remembering is sometimes in the passing game, when you see a blitz coming, there has to be an adjustment and the back becomes the last person between the defender that can have a clean hit on the quarterback or, you know, have a, sh- a free shot at, you know, hitting and potentially hurting the highest paid best player on your roster. So when we look at things um, from a team building standpoint for, and from a team, you know, w- we value the position a little bit differently again. And again, help me understand and forgive me, you know, my ignorance in this, I don't know. Um, one of the most important things about a running back, regardless of it's a every down, first and second down, or a third down back, ball security, their ability to hold on to the ball. Does a, a fantasy back lose points if there's a, a on a fumble and, and or turnovers? Yes, you lose you lose points uh, for fumbles um, for every every position um, for most leagues. I mean, there's some that don't penalize you, but I can't for the most hear part. Anything, guys. Oh, you you lose you lose points for for fumbles and for turnovers. Yes, in in most leagues. Okay, I got you. I'm sorry, I lost you there for a second. My apologies, but I but I, but I did hear most of that. The uh, you know, and the other thing is, are there? Po- I know that there's not points if he lets a quarterback sack, or if there's a mental error, or if there's an issue. So, um, 
you know, some of the things that are really important, again, blitz pickup is critical, their third down role, their special teams value, you know, a, a running back, because if you're not an every down back, if you're either a third down back or a first and second down back, you have to remember there's only 45, 46 players that you can have active on game day. Um, that rule, fortunately, it sounds like there's going to be changes to that rule this year. But if you have to limit your roster and you've got so many players that can be active on a game day, the value of a backup running back or a not, you know, if let's say you've got a, a running back who's really what you call a deem a third down back who's used in the passing game. Now, if you're a pass heavy offense, that's terrific. But if you're not a pass heavy offense, you know, you have to find reps for that player. And there's certain positions and certain roles on kickoff cover, kickoff return, punt, punt return, where you have to get enough snaps out of a player. And that, that becomes one of the keys with all backup players, particularly at skilled position, Jimmy, having the ability for those players to give you snaps, um, you know, in special teams. Scott, it seems like everybody is a, a prospect expert now. We're, we're all doing draft analysis, but you're actually a pro at it. Can you tell us specifically with the skill positions, maybe a thing or two that you looked for in prospects that doesn't get talked about enough by analysts? I, I think it's, you know, one of the things I just mentioned, ball security, um, which leads into dependability, overall dependability. And whether that's, um, again, Skill positions, we're talking about, I know, running back, we'll be talking about wide receivers, but quarterback, right? Dependability. Jameis Winston and certain fantasy teams lit it up. Um, you, you know, I, I, from what I understand, he was an incredible fantasy player because of the, all the touchdowns and all the yards and all the stuff. But he had 30 interceptions. And to me, it's not just the interceptions. Um, it was the number of pick sixes, the places on the field where the ball was turned over that led to points and how many points those led to. Not all turnovers are the same. So regardless of the skill position, there's this dependability factor. And again, dependability is ball security in the uh, running back position and receiver position. Dependability is in blocking. The blocking game is critical. Whether a wide receiver can be dependable um, to his team and and make blocks downfield to engage um, with a defensive back, you know, because if another player has the ball in his hands and, and the difference between that player being dependable and or being willing to block um, could be the difference between an extra five, six, seven or 30 yards. So, again, as much as the the um, the importance of the physical skills and the physical tools and the production there's, you know, things that we call, you know, other production and whether a player is dependable can lead to the other types of production. Scott, you've been in the draft room when, when some Hall of Fame players have been drafted. Do you have a favorite memory from draft day or, or a, a trade that went down a, a good story from draft day? Oh, we, I've got a couple. You know, I feel like I've told the Matt Light trade story um, a, a bunch of times, which was truly one of my favorite because, you know, we were in the division with the Jets and because we jumped the Jets while they were on the actually on the phone with Matt Light getting ready to pick him and we jumped one ahead of him and, and stole him and he went on to be an eleven year starter, three time world champ, three time Pro Bowler. But that story's gotten a little old. I think Jet fans are tired of hearing about it. I, I think one of my favorite, most difficult um trades that I was a part of was uh when we traded for Randy Moss. And um that was back when the draft, the first three rounds we're on day one, and then day two, we picked up round four. It was only a two-day draft. 
And we were trying to get to Randy and trying to trade him. The, the Oakland Raiders and Mr. Davis were trying to move him. We were very interested in Randy, but we also, you know, we knew Randy a little bit. We didn't know him real well. We felt like a three was too much. Um, Mr. Davis was trying to wrangle that third rounder from us. And we decided uh, we used that pick. And at the end of that day, um, we were still talking. And I went back to my house that night. We were still talking to Mr. Davis and the folks out at the Raiders. And we were going back and forth. And finally, at about 1.30 in the morning, Eastern time, I'll never forget, uh, you know, I had gotten home, but we were in the middle of trying to get this trade done. And we were willing to give up our fourth, which I think was either like number 110 overall or 111 overall. And um, I got home and I had and I didn't want to wait my family. So I'll never forget this moment. I'm sitting on my on my sofa in my boxer shorts with a blanket wrapped around me, staring at the phone, waiting the phone to ring. And I think to myself, my gosh, this is what my life has become. <laughs> and sure enough, around 1.30, the phone rings and it's Mr. Davis calling back and said, we have a deal. But now the problem is. You know, and this is one of the things that that people don't always think about in trading when players are involved with trades. Generally, all trades are done on the contingency that the trade is not complete until the player reports and passes their physical. So the next morning, it was going to be like the 10th or 11th pick that morning. And the draft was starting the second day at 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. So we had to get Randy on the plane, on, on a private plane. He had to fly in, land in, you know, in the Foxborough area, get to the office, meet with Bill and I, have a conversation, take a physical, meet with our doctors, clear him on the physical. And we had to renegotiate his contract out so that we would do a trade and sign. So simultaneously, we had to reduce his salary by $5 million. Oh, and he had to be willing to do that. <laughs> and in our meeting with Randy, Bill stepped away for a second. And I said, hey, listen, Randy, I'm the, listen, I got to call you ready. We're going to have to adjust your contract. We're going to have to. And before I could even before I could even finish what I'm saying, uh, yeah, he looks at me, he leans forward and he, tears were welled up in his eyes. He said, listen, P.O., he says, I don't care what it is. Get the deal done. Get me out of there. Please get me here. So we had to, again, we consummated the, the, the terms of the trade at 1.30 in the morning, got him there. And then before the fourth round started, we, again, renegotiated the contract, passed him on the physical and got the deal done. And to me, that was one of it was exciting. It was fun. And, and everyone knows what that season. Unfortunately, it didn't end in a championship. But um, we had a, a very, very strong season that didn't end in a championship. But Randy was a huge part of that. That's just an amazing story. I mean, uh, I, I think anybody that's listening to this and, and certainly knows the history of how that worked out for you guys, the fact that you're able to get Randy Moss for a fourth round pick and convince him to take a reduced salary is just absolutely amazing. Well done by we you. Well done. Well done by Jamie, you here. I'm sorry, go ahead, Scott. Jamie, I got to tell you, he, he, we didn't have to convince him of anything on the pay cut. He just wanted, and that was one of the, that's one of the most misunderstood things about Randy Moss is an unbelievable human being. He's a right. good person. He's one of the smartest football players I've ever been around. I mean, he is brilliant. And um, don't let that West uh, that West Virginia Virginia uh, country accent fool you. Dude is smart, and he um, when he came in, he was he was ready, willing, and wanted to because at that point in time, in his mind, in his life, um, winning and the possibility of winning a championship was far more important than any amount of money he could make. Yep, and uh, unfortunately, he just fell a little bit short um, with that. But we won't bring up those bad memories. And, and our buddy. <laughs> we don't have that. 
discussion. <laughs> our, our buddy Adam Mazur is a Giants fan, so he probably enjoyed the way that that one ended. But uh, in any event, um, Scott, we appreciate you taking some time to join us here. You can catch Scott on all of our draft coverage on CBS Sports HQ. Scott has one of the best home setups you will ever see. He's got the Lombardi trophies displayed. Uh, Scott, I think you, you rotate your Sports Illustrated covers, correct? I do. I do. And I try to um, I have this huge Sports Illustrated uh, collection. And what I try to do is whatever's happening at the moment, I try to make it somewhat relevant. For instance, when we during the playoff run, I was rotating um, different playoff games or playoff covers that were on there. Then during the Super Bowl, I rotated some old school Super Bowl ones. I had a Len Dawson one. I, uh, you know, and then the, one of the again, it makes it a little bit fun for me. Um, also, when free agency started, one of the cool things I was able to do, I had the Reggie White from 1993, the first wow. year that the NFL had um, free agency, and that that Sports Illustrated cover. And I also, right next to it, had one, uh, a 1968 Sports Illustrated cover of Kurt Flood catching a ball against the Ivy and Wrigley. And as we all know, anyone who's a, uh, a sports fan knows that Kurt Flood was the man behind free agency right. in sports who uh, – um, who did all of the work in the heavy lifting and took all the beating in order for it to to happen. So, uh, yeah, I, lo- I love to honor those guys. Well, Scott, we appreciate you taking some time here with us. Again, you can check out Scott's coverage uh, along with many of our cast of characters on our NFL draft coverage on CBS Sports HQ starting Thursday night. It's going to be great. We're going to have you locked and loaded with everything coming up for the NFL, everything coming covering up for fantasy this season. And, Scott, again, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on fantasy football today jamie and heath thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it coming up you're going to hear my interview with dare ogumbawale tampa bay bucks running back we recorded that interview before the gronkowski trade so there will be no gronk conversation but dare was great talking about the bucks talking about the backfield there with ronald jones and he's a wisconsin guy so he gave us a little insight on jonathan taylor and maybe what taylor can be once he gets to the nfl Enjoy that conversation. Again, we appreciate Scott taking the time. And don't forget, we're going to have Saquon Barkley on the show here on Fantasy Football today. I cannot wait to hear Adam just swoon over the Giants running back. Thanks, guys. I'm Jamie Eisenberg here with Daria Gumbawale of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Daria, thank you for taking some time to join us here on CBS Sports. We appreciate it. Uh, just want to ask you, man, what's, what's, uh, what's quarantine life like for you right now? How are you holding up? Uh, I feel like it's the same as everybody's, man. I... Uh... Work out in the morning, and then I, I sit around all day just uh, hanging out on the phone with family or watching TV, playing video games. Um, it's, it's boring, but, uh, you know, you got to do it. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely boring. I noticed you uh, you play the piano. I want to talk to you about that coming up in a little bit as well. But you mentioned that you're working out. Uh, tell us how you're staying in shape to get ready for the upcoming season. Obviously, it hasn't been the norm, but what are you doing to prepare yourself? Yeah, it's uh, garage workouts, you know, just getting stuff done in the garage. We still got access to a field. Uh, that's the nice thing about being in Tampa, that it's warm. So we can still run routes and um, uh, just get some cardio, get some conditioning and then at the field. But it's definitely been different. It's been a different process. Uh, and guys not being able to be in the facility uh, is tough. But um, we're figuring out a way to do it, though. Are you, are you working out with any of your teammates? Are you, uh, you know, throwing the ball around with any of the guys? I uh, know. I've been by myself mostly. Um, yeah, just by myself, kind of in, in the backyard, or uh, or not backyard, but like my patio area, or like I said, garage. But um, you're not not too much uh, team stuff right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's got to be hard, a little frustrating, especially with uh, some of the new additions. Uh, obviously, everybody's excited about the new quarterback that you guys are going to have. Can, can you talk about uh, Tom Brady and what uh, 
what that signing has meant for you and for the team and maybe for the city of Tampa as well? Uh, it's huge, man. It's huge. You know, growing up, you you watched. I watched them, you know, watch them win Super Bowls when I was younger, watch them when I was older. Um, and just when you get in the league, you, you're always excited about playing against guys like that or being in the coin toss with guys like that. But uh, now being in the huddle with them, um, the greatest player ever in, in the NFL. So it's, it's exciting. You know, it's really exciting. I mean, he's a great player. Um, a lot has gone into him being great, and uh, we get to see that firsthand. You know, he gets to make our team better. He gets to make me better um, just from us watching how he a- a- approaches things. So uh, we're all excited about that and uh, expecting a lot of big things here. Do you have a Tom Brady memory? Like you said, you grew up watching him. Is there something that stands out when you think of Tom Brady that comes to mind? Uh, well, I guess it's not from, from when I was younger. It's more so the Super Bowl against the Falcons and um, – even though it was James, you know, James, James White's one of my good friends. But um, just that whole comeback, that's what I think of when I think of him. And uh, I, obviously, like I said, James, and um, that, that was just a good moment, a fun moment to watch. So that's probably my biggest uh, Brady memory, I guess. And it's not really, really old. So <laughs> you mentioned James White. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure you're referring to your time together at, at Wisconsin. Uh, James has been one of the, the, the biggest benefactors from what Tom likes to do with running backs out of the backfield. You've got Danny Woodhead, Kevin Falk, uh, Deion Lewis. Uh, James is the latest one. Uh, how, exciting are you, how excited are you about that maybe possibility of him throwing some passes to you and, and maybe being the passing downs back for Tampa Bay this year? Oh, very excited. You know, just anytime you get, get a role, you know, in the offense like I had last year was great. Um, but now you put that with Tom Brady, you know, what he likes to do and, and getting the ball out of his hands real quickly. Um, it opens up a lot of opportunities for me and, you know, a lot to get get to make plays, um, get in space. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Show my route running ability, show my pass catching ability. So um, that's definitely going to be a big part for me this season. Has there been a, a moment or, or, you know, any ongoing conversations, text messages maybe with uh, with any of your teammates when you knew that this was official that Tom is going to be there? You know, was there anything that you heard from maybe, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, anybody on the team, Ronald Jones was like, this really happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those guys really just, it was just mostly just kind of, I wouldn't say surprise, but more of a shock type of thing. Like, uh, this, this is really happening. This really is for real. And then obviously it was the whole joke around the team, of what numbers Chris going to wear now. <laughs> but that, that, that was one of the first things we thought about. But no, it's uh, it was definitely exciting and, the fans, the team, the locker room, everybody was really excited about it. I mean, it's, uh, you, don't, you don't get that opportunity in, 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 in your career very often. Let's talk about the backfield there in Tampa Bay. You said, you know, you're looking to build off what you did last year and, and, and just happy to have a role. Uh, talk about what this backfield looks like right now and maybe what it could look like after a week from now when the NFL draft happens. I'm sure you're probably following some of the rumors that Tampa Bay may be looking at a running back. But right now, you and Ronald Jones obviously look like the top two guys. Tell me about what you guys can do as, as a duo and – and maybe talk about Ron a little bit, just what he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, we we, we definitely uh, have a solid group of backs. I mean, there's obviously going to be additions. That's just the way it works in the NFL. Um, so we're excited to see whoever that is and we bring them in and um, get get a chance to win games and make plays together with him too. But, um, yeah, we uh, I like our group, man. And uh, Rojo, he's a great back. I'm excited to see, you know, he keeps making strides. Like after his first year, between that to his second year, he made – huge improvement and I know he's working hard this offseason so um get a chance to see him going into year three and then um uh yeah me me and him and uh, TJ Logan um great returners so I mean yeah I like our group of backs um and uh, like I said when we add whoever we're gonna um, add in the draft and then undrafted free agency or even free agency um 
just bring him into the room and, and get him up to speed and uh, get a chance to win some games. Do you think Ronald kind of gets a little bit of an unfair rap after what happened in his rookie season? Like you said, he had a, a good second season looking to build off that in year three, but he kind of, I don't think, gets the credit he deserves for a 1,000-yard season last year and what he was able to do, especially closing the season. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he cares about it too much, but uh, in the public eye, people people do have their own uh, opinions of Rojo, but, I mean, guys in our locker room, we know how talented of a guy he is, talented of a player, and um, once once it all starts clicking for him even more and more, I mean, just even more and more plays will be made. He's a really explosive player. Um, he is a smart player, too, and uh, I'm excited to see him prove that come this season. What about you? What are you looking to prove? What are some of the expectations you have for yourself? Uh, just to, like I said, build on last year, you know, um, be, be even more dependable um, a third down and um, so I can continue to run the ball, um, special teams, you know, special teams. That's that's really what got me into the league. That uh, That's been the, you know, the foundation of my whole career. And uh, that's still going to be big for me, you know, um, uh, being a captain last year that I, I plan to follow it up with another good special team season. So um, that that's uh, that's my goals for this season. And um obviously to win a lot of games and stuff like that too. But personally, um, yeah, those are what I'm looking for. Uh, we're just talking about you right now. We'll get to the team goals <laughs> in, in, in a minute. Um, you sort of alluded to this, uh, James White, yourself, uh, a good collection of Wisconsin running backs. I want you to put on your analyst hat for a second. Tell me about Jonathan Taylor and what he's going to do when he gets to the league. Obviously where he ends up in the draft and, and the NFL team is going to determine that. But tell me about the next great Wisconsin running back coming into the NFL. He's a dog, man. He, he's a winner. Um, and he's explosive. Like, I don't even have to say that. You guys saw what he did at the combine. It's uh, I'm excited for him, man. He gets into a good system. He could, he'll have a great, great career. Um, he a uh, real talented player, patient player, great runner. Um, proved that he can catch the ball now. Um, this past season. So yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do, man. He uh, definitely the best back in the draft, in my opinion. And uh, I hope uh, he should be gone early. Um, definitely should be gone early. That breakdown was too good. You're going to probably take my job at some point if you keep no. uh, giving that kind of analysis. No. Um, uh, I, I want to ask you something because you came into the NFL as an, as an undrafted guy, and a lot of people don't really realize how tough that could be to end up not just getting into the league but sticking around for a couple of years. Uh, that's going to happen to a bunch of guys after the draft next weekend. Just talk about that process, what it was like for you, your NFL draft experience, maybe you know sitting through the, the couple of days of the draft, and then what it was like the, the couple of days afterwards until you got that call from Houston. Yeah, it's tough. It was definitely tough. You know, um, you, you hear a bunch of things. You hear a bunch of things from scouts, from GMs, from coaches, uh, just where where they think you'll go. And then obviously there's a chance that you don't go. And I didn't get drafted. Um, but throughout the whole draft, you know, there was about five, five, five teams that were um, calling me throughout the whole day um, or the last day, I should say, just saying that if, if you're not picked up, you want to sign. If you're not picked up, we want to sign you. So um, that was that was promising. And, you know, uh, it, it was a little positive, but still, obviously, you, it's always a dream of yours to get drafted when you're a kid, you know. Um, so that didn't happen. But then, um, like I said, the Texans, I signed with them about 30 minutes after the draft ended and, uh, you know, got to work, you know. And um, I felt like I was, I was doing well in, with them, doing well with all the teams that I've been on. And uh, it's just a hard journey, you know. It's uh, it's tough. You you're always kind of on the um, on the bottom looking up when you're undrafted, regardless of uh, your skill set or talent level. And uh, you just kind of got to prove. You kind of got to wait wait for a chance to prove it. And um, you know, it it's always the teammates. You know, the team, the locker room. They know. Um, it's just kind of uh, the front office. You you never you never really know um, if you're going to get a chance to prove it. But the locker room knows um, who who the good players are. And uh, I feel like everywhere I was at. 
guys looked at me as, as, like I was a good player. So that that always kind of drove me. You know, that always pushed me just because knowing I had the confidence for my teammates and stuff like that. Does your path kind of keep a chip on your shoulder as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I never, you never forget it. You know, um, I talked to a bunch of undrafted guys and they always remember that and, they, and that sticks with them. And um, it's definitely part of the success that you have um, being able to get through that. And then now um, fighting just like everyone else. So you play with a very uh, interesting and exciting coach in, in Bruce Arians. A lot of people like to hear Bruce Arians when he gives his press conferences. I'm sure it's got to be a lot of fun to be around him. Give me a good Bruce Arians story about maybe something he's either said to you, something he said in front of the team. Uh, very similar to what I asked you about Tom Brady. When you think of Bruce Arians, what comes to mind? Oh, man. I, I guess I can't think of a particular quote or, or moment, but. I would just say our first couple practices last spring when he got here and uh, you hear about it all the time, hear about how much he yells or how much he cusses. But uh, when you see it firsthand, <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. It's funny. It's, it's funny when it's not you. It's funny when it's not you. Uh, I haven't gotten I haven't gotten a bad one. Um, there have been a couple, but I haven't gotten a bad one. But sometimes you get to hear some of the stuff he says and uh, he's creative. I'll say that he's creative, but he's, he's creative with his word choice. I'm I'm sure it is. We always like in the media to be around Bruce whenever he's talking. Uh, how do you, how do you think that relationship's going to go between him and and Tom? You know, just given the fact that 20 year veteran and and Bruce having sort of being set in his ways, how do you think that relationship's going to be? Uh, it won't be a problem at all. I mean, it's uh, I'm excited. I mean, you did you put the quarterback guru with uh, with the greatest quarterback of all time? I mean, you you're bound to have some some good things happen. So I think it's a match made in heaven. I want to ask you about Jameis. Obviously, uh, he had a great season last year, but it's hard when you're going against the GOAT in terms of somebody coming to take your job. Uh, what, what do you see for Jameis down the road? What's his next step going to be in, in your mind? Oh, I'm not sure, man, but regardless, he's, he's a talented player. He's a smart, great quarterback, and uh, he, he'll be successful wherever he ends up and, and where, whatever city that's in. You know, um, he, he'll be fine. Uh, he's too good of a player to, you know, end up not having a great career, in my opinion. He... Uh, he, uh, a lot of things didn't go his way here, and there are a lot of, you know, other circumstances that went into it. But um, at the end of the day, James is a great quarterback, and I, I don't think uh, that'll that'll be a problem for him at all. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm excited to see where James does end up. Hopefully, he gets a chance to be a starter. He won't be wearing the new uniforms though for the Tampa Bay Bucks. What's your uh, what's your thought on the uniform change? I like him. I like him. Um, I, I was one of the few people that didn't hate our old uniforms, our past ones. Um, I mean, I guess the font was a little funny, but I, I, I liked our old ones. But I definitely like these ones more um, going back the history of the Bucks. you know, um, I guess the uniforms before the last ones. Um, and then the, the color rush ones are cool. I like that instead of the all red. Um, so, no, I like in the black face mask was dope, in my opinion. So, uh, no, I definitely am a fan of the new ones. Yeah, well, hopefully everybody follows suit and, and, and likes them as well. It seems to be a little yeah. mixed, mixed reaction on Twitter, but yeah, uh, I think when you, see, when you see them in person. Exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of Twitter, uh, people can follow you. I want to get this right. Is it at DG023 underscore? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they can follow you on Twitter. They're at DG023023 underscore. Tell us about your piano skills because you, uh, you posted something a couple weeks ago playing the piano. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how long have you been playing and, and, and what do you like about playing the piano? So I've been playing since I was eight. Uh, my dad had me and my siblings taking piano lessons every Wednesday night for years up until high school. Uh, I stopped in high school because it wasn't cool. And uh, <laughs> he uh, he uh, still had me playing in church, though. So I, I played throughout my whole life, really. Um, and so I still obviously play every now and then. 
um more i can't really read music like i used to more so by ear but it's still fun you know being able to play songs that are on the radio and stuff so um that's one of the things that i have been doing to stay busy during quarantine trying to learn some new songs um so yeah that, that's been that's you know that's i guess one of my hidden talents but that's that's something that's been a big part of my life throughout my whole life uh music and my whole family it's uh it's been a big thing yeah again people should definitely go check it out it was uh it's a worthwhile performance to, to definitely hear that's at dg 023 underscore you mentioned uh your siblings i think a lot of people probably hear your last name they think of your sister as well talk about uh akira and, and and maybe what you know she's been doing during quarantine from from what you know and uh tell me who the better basketball player is in the family oh for sure Arike. She she's a she's a legend i mean i can't i used to be able to beat Arike back in the day but um yeah it's not the same anymore she's uh she's too good but no she uh she's up in milwaukee um, with my family, um, my brother and my parents, they're uh, they're enjoying time up there. A little colder up there, but she's she does have access to a gym, and she's uh, she's been doing well uh, training up there and uh, staying with the family. But um, yeah, she's uh, she actually was in Turkey um, playing overseas when all this kind of started. So that was a big uh, a big thing for us trying to figure out if she'd be able to stay over there if their season's going to continue. And um, but no, she got back safely, and uh, she's just training up there and. Uh, Looking forward to her WNBA season starting. I mean, she uh, expecting a big season this year, so uh, hopefully they get to start, um, hopefully at least in the summer. Um, but whenever they start, uh, I'm excited to watch her. Yeah, Rike, part of the uh, Dallas Wings of the WNBA, also uh, from Notre Dame as well. You were uh, certainly going to check out some of the highlights if you're interested of Dare's sister and, like you said, the better basketball player in the family. <laughs> All right, I, I'm going to let you go on this one, Dare. Uh, at the end of the 2020 NFL season, people are going to say blank, about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're going to say blank about you and the season that you had. Uh, about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they'll say congrats um, <laughs> at the end of the season. Uh, you guys can take that however you want. And about me, um, they'll say, damn, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> Perfect answers for both. All right, Google I appreciate you taking some time to join us here on CBS Sports. Good luck with the season. Good luck with the Tampa Bay Bucks and uh, enjoy those new uniforms. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me.